0: It's time for part two of our series on your favorite topic, Standard Operating Procedures. Let's get into it. Welcome to the Ultimate Insurance Agency Podcast. Planet of the Agents. Planet of the Agents where we give you the real scoop on being an insurance agent and running an agency. This show is all about helping you focus on earning more money as an agent and building your own insurance empire. Empire. Here's your industry-leading host who has generated tens of thousands of insurance leads. This is Dave Baker. Welcome back to the show, everybody. I am very happy to have you joining me on another episode of Planet of the Agents. Now, before we get into part two of our exciting topic of Standard Operating Procedures, or SOPs, I wanted to tell you about a service that I think you might find interesting. In fact, some people might call the next 30 seconds an advertisement. But hey, it's up to you what you want to call it. So, One of the most common questions that I actually get from people is, hey, Dave, how can I make more money at my insurance business? I know, it seems like a crazy question and you've probably never asked it, but uh, let's talk about that for a second. One idea that I think a lot of people are overlooking is the fact that you have a database or a client list. You have people who already use your service. So why not offer them another service that they could pay for monthly, which would generate you additional revenue, and you could give them something of value. And that is a membership club. Have you ever considered starting a membership club for your clients? It's a great opportunity to provide them with extra benefits or valuable perks that they could use and enjoy, such as discounts on shopping, discounts on services. There are a lot of other types of specials out there for all kinds of things that they might use, whether they're a business owner or maybe they just want to use them for their families. So if you're thinking about starting a membership club or have never thought about it before, but want to learn more, click over to www.startamembershipclub.com. Once again, that's startamembershipclub.com. It's a service that actually builds membership clubs for insurance agents. And the website will explain to you how you can increase your revenue through uh, this very simple and easy to use service. All right, now let's get back into the show. In the last episode, which was part one of those gosh darn SOPs or standing operating procedures, we discussed what is a standard operating procedure, why you need it, and we looked at some of the things it can do to help your business. In this episode, I'd like to look at what types of tasks need an SOP or standard operating procedure? My answer is many, if not most things, need one. At a minimum, you'd need some sort of system or procedure, or we could call it a guidebook if you'd like, or even a checklist, if you will, for almost everything that you do at your agency. There are things that I like to call the minimum number of procedures. The minimum is not what you strive for, but it's what you need just to get by. So I think of a few things that require some form of SOP. The first one is what to do when you get a new lead. The second one is what to do after you make a sale. The third one are your closing procedures. And the fourth one is your after-sale procedures, which are primarily cross-selling opportunities and continued contact and client nurturing. In this episode, I'm going to review with you right now a series of questions that I think you can ask yourself and that you can look at when creating your standard operating procedure. So what I'm going to do right now is I'm going to go through item number one that we mentioned in the minimum procedure list, and that is what do you do when you get a new lead? Most of the people that I talk to get their business in one of three ways. Number one, which is the most common, I hear that they purchase their leads, meaning you buy leads from some sort of lead generation service. Number two is referrals. So if your entire business is built on referrals, good for you. Let me give you a little round of applause. That's amazing. I very rarely talk to anyone who can run their entire business off of their referrals. And when I say run your business, let me be more specific. What I'm saying is, I very rarely meet anybody who has a business that gets so many referrals that it can fund their entire business, meaning they can make enough money just off their referrals to pay everybody who works with them and to pay their rent and, oh, all the other bills you'll have as a business owner. So if you're at that level, or you've gotten there, or you've built up such a great book of business where you have so many people calling you, congratulations. I'm, I'm proud of you, and I'm really happy for you. Then there's number three, which is niche marketing, where I'll hear an agency say, well, we only write these three products, so if you're going to shop for that product, you're probably going to call us. That's actually my favorite. I, I love that one. I love when you sell a product and you're the go-to person or go-to team for that insurance. Think about, in your life, some products that you use where when you think of the product, you only think of one company. Now, if you think about words we use in English language, it's very interesting. For example, if you talk to someone who is from, a say, a different generation, a little bit older, They might use the term to Xerox something. Now, how many copy machines are there out there or duplicating machines or whatever you want to call them? Well, there are many brands. There are a ton of brands, but Xerox made such a name for themselves that people use that as a verb. Or when you're looking for a tissue, do you call it a tissue? A lot of people just call it a Kleenex. Or what if you're looking for a cotton swab to clean something or to clean your ears or to do something with makeup? Do you call it a cotton swab or do you call it a Q-tip? When you're at that level, that's impressive. You have a level of name recognition where you're the primary product uh, and the go-to name for a specific item. It's amazing. Now, then there are other things that you might think of that are only available from one company, for example. Perhaps they have a patent on it. I can't confirm that this product has a patent on it or it's, it's the only one out there. But when I think of fixing a squeaky door, I instantly think of WD-40. Are there alternatives to WD-40? Maybe, but I pretty much just think of that product. Once again, good job, WD-40. They are a household name, pretty much. So if you are in the niche business, I would think that your goal would be to be the go-to insurance provider for a specific niche. And if you've never thought about this before, I just want to remind you, there are pretty much an unlimited supply of niches out there. Just look around your house. I'm looking at my desk and I see an aluminum can next to me. I'm thinking, well, there's a niche, aluminum can manufacturers. I mean, you could be more generic. You could just have aluminum product manufacturing. But what if you specifically focused on aluminum can manufacturers? There's a lot of opportunity there. That's probably a niche. There are probably specific policy forms that you could get for them. And we're going off topic here, but I'd just like to give you a few things to think about. Now, let's talk now about number one, which I just mentioned, which is what I generally hear is the most common way that small agencies get business, which is buying leads. I hear people tell me that they buy leads from a variety of service providers a variety of lead generation companies because obviously it's not like it was in the old days where you would throw up a website and you would get leads. Today, you have people competing with you for the purpose of reselling the leads. They're getting the leads not to use them but to sell them to other people. And I do find that smaller agencies just don't have the marketing ability online to generate those leads, so they do have to buy them. One of my biggest concerns when purchasing leads or just thinking about it would be, am I wasting my money? How much am I spending on these leads? And what am I doing with each one that I receive? What really got my attention was actually when I was talking to a real estate agent. It's a different profession, but many of the concepts are the same when it comes to sales and the the sales cycle. He told me that I, I, I can't even say this without, without being astounded. But let me start over. I saw on his phone, for some reason it was sitting on a table, and he, he had a, a little badge next to the email, and it said he had a certain number of unread emails. I think it was something like 500 plus, probably because the phone just doesn't register more than 500 because of the amount of space. And I said, oh, you have 500 unread emails? Is it all junk mail? And he said, no, those are leads that I buy. And I was thinking, okay. Maybe there's a technological problem here. Maybe he reads them on another computer and for some reason his phone doesn't register the email as read. And I said, so what's the story? And he said, well, I just, I don't really have time to call them all or contact them or I'm not even sure what to do with them. Now, he's been in the real estate business for probably 15 to 20 years. And like many of you out there, you've been in the insurance business for 10, 15 or 20 years. And the world has changed, so now you've got these leads to deal with, and you might be paying for them. So that's when I thought to myself, so you don't have a standard way of doing something with each lead? And that's one of the main reasons I actually want to talk about this today. I started asking agents, what do you do with the leads? And they would tell me things like, well, I call some of them, sometimes I send an email, it just depends when it comes in, or if I have time. or They just didn't seem to have any sort of straight answer. Everyone seems to do something different, and that's fine if you do something different, but do you have a system in place? And what I learned was no, they don't have a system. They don't have a standard operating procedure. They don't have a checklist even. So let's look at this in our example today of what types of tasks require a standard operating procedure. Let's talk about this one. What do you do when you get a new lead? Now, this can apply to someone who buys leads or other ways you get leads. So I'm going to review a list of questions right now because I want to show you how important it is to be specific when you're creating your checklist or your procedures. So let's go through the questions. Obviously, the overriding concept here is what do you do when you get a new lead? So number one, Do you have a specific plan of action for each lead? And do you need a subset of actions for leads that are different, such as commercial leads versus personal leads? You might have to create a hierarchy. So let's say you buy a lead. Do you call right away? Do you send a text message? Do you get a quote first and then call the lead? Or do you have to call the lead first to even get the quote? Is there enough time between when a lead comes in and the process it takes you to get a quote where you actually think they'll even wait for you? Do you immediately enter them into your client database or your agency management system? Do you have some sort of automation that will connect with them and establish communication immediately? Side note, I think establishing communication is important. How many follow-ups will you do to try to make the initial contact with the lead. Let's say you don't reach the person right away. Let's say you called and left a message and you sent a text message and you sent an email. Aside from sending a carrier pigeon over there, you've used three of the top forms of communication. So how many follow ups will you do after you get the lead and don't make an initial contact? When will you follow up? On what specific days will you follow up? Do you have a drip marketing plan? meaning that you'll contact them on day one, day two, day seven, day 30, six months later. Are you going to try to get them again next year? Is the policy that they requested a six-month type of policy, or is it a standard annual policy? Now, what if you actually reach them? What if you reach them on the first phone call? Do you have a script prepared for what questions you're going to ask and what information you need to gather? Do you have a welcoming script of some sort to distinguish yourself from other people who may be calling them? Don't forget that when leads are sold, unless you're buying exclusive leads, a lot of times they're being sold to multiple agents and people are getting a phone call within 30 seconds. So after you reach them, I ask again, what will you tell them? Do you have a script prepared? What will you do if they want to quote right now? What will you do if they don't want to quote at all? What will you do if they ask you to call them back later? Because realistically, you know that you might never reach them again. They might even block your phone number. So what do you do? Will you schedule a call? Do you have a call scheduling program that will send them an email confirmation or a text message reminding them of a scheduled call? Are you going to email them a personalized note or do you have a series of templates that you can email them? So this might seem like a lot of questions. But this is actually just the tip of the iceberg for what you might need to do when you're creating your processes. You might ask yourself, Dave's reading me all these questions. Does he have something like this? And my answer is, yes, I do. On the retail side, meaning the you know, customer-facing agency, I've developed systems like this where I made a plan. We're going to... Call right away to establish communication rather than getting the quote first because you might never reach the customer. Sometimes when you call a lead, they'll immediately say they're not interested, which is certainly not a pleasure. Sometimes you'll contact them and they'll say they didn't request a quote, which you might find confusing, but either they requested a quote unintentionally sometimes or they had someone else request a quote on their behalf, such as a spouse or a a significant other. There's so many things that could happen. I created the plan where I would develop a timeline where I would follow up with them to just to make the initial contact. Hopefully, we had enough information to actually generate the quote and make the sale right away. I also looked at uh, other forms of communication, like we mentioned, text messaging. At what point would you text message someone if you couldn't reach them on the phone? I had to do a little analysis and determine, should I send a text message immediately? Should I send it an hour later? It really depends on what type of quote it is, what time of day it is, what type of customer it is. I ask myself the question should I be entering every single lead into our software? Now, in the past, when I first started, I guess around 16 ish years ago, <laughs> 16 or so years ago, I didn't enter every customer. And you know what? That was a mistake. I should have put every single customer in there with multiple data points, such as what they're looking for. Back then, I was doing personal lines primarily, so I should have recorded all of the uh, information they had. And I'm not talking about their private information. I'm talking about the things I could use as, as talking points or reasons to contact them later. For example, some people would say they had a car with a with a hitch on the back of it, and I would notice that, and I would say, "Well, why do you have a hitch? What is it you're towing?" And they say, "Well, I tow my trailer." say, well, what kind of trailer is it? And they would say, it's the kind of trailer I used to tow my RV or my ATVs or my UTVs or a boat. And I'd say, okay, so now he's got a car policy, he's got a trailer to insure, and he's got some kind of toy, like an ATV or a boat. So those are things that I, I, I built out. I also created some automation to send a series of drip marketing emails. If you're not familiar with the term drip marketing, of course, picture a faucet dripping. And the dripping concept is that you will drip emails or some other form of communication to your potential clients or even current customers. So yes, we've only talked about one specific standard operating procedure or guideline or checklist, if you will, for one part of the sales process and the customer lifecycle. So a client, to many people, is something that, Grows over time. In insurance, one of the beautiful things is that you can cross sell somebody. Now, I understand that if you run something different, like a non standard auto shop, you might think of a client as someone you sell once and pray that you never talk to again just to collect the renewal money. And I understand that. That's a different concept than people who are looking to cross sell. It's just a different way of doing things. But what I've been noticing is that people seem to evolve from that, especially as the world is changing right now and people are literally driving less. It's amazing. There are places I have been that used to have traffic that don't have traffic right now, and I wonder if the traffic is going to come back. I know some of you out there live in places where you have an insane amount of traffic, and it probably will come back, but for those of us who have gotten out of that, it's quite quite a change. So those were about 15 questions that I asked myself when I was developing my client intake or new lead procedure. As I mentioned, you'll want to have a series of different things, such as something for the end of the process. So, for example, after you sell a policy, do you have a checklist with all of the documents that are needed, so that the salesperson can verify? Okay, I've done one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, and now I'm done. I've received all the signed documents. I've, maybe originally you send the e-signature forms, you receive the signed documents back, you send some sort of ID card or certificate of insurance, then you schedule a follow-up for a cross-sell opportunity. You also enter them in the database. You might need to record them on some sort of sales sheet. I know that a lot of agents use different ways to track the agent's sales. Some people have great automation. Some people simply use a spreadsheet where you write down your sales. I know at some agencies, they have software that will automatically produce that report, which is great. So those are just a few additional things you need to have on a checklist after the sale. In a perfect world, you would have software where you would click each thing is done, and maybe you'd even upload the files that way, and it would give you a green light, and then you'd know you could move on to the next transaction. I've been studying how many steps it takes for me to complete certain transactions, and I have to say, it's just shocking when you write it down. So that's not even to confirm that the process has been completed. That's just what I do to track the efficiency of what I'm doing. So going back again, just to recap, number one, at a minimum, you're going to need a procedure for what do you do when you get a new lead or a new potential client. Number two, what are your closing procedures or your, your finishing up the sale procedures? You have the signings. You have the documents that you need to retain. You'll have documents that you need to send to the client. The client might not even have all of the things that you need right now, but you were able to sell a policy. So you'll need a follow-up system. Sometimes it's called a diary system. It's like a reminder where you tell yourself, in three days, I need to follow up with this client to get those documents. Otherwise, the policy could get canceled. And we don't want to see cancellations, do we? And then after that, you might have a series of documents that you send every time to every client. I don't just mean ID cards or certificates. You might have welcome letters, or other onboarding procedures you have, like client onboarding things to encourage them to contact you, or what to do in the event of a claim, or even how to protect themselves in the event of inclement weather. You could have a series of things like that. That's why you need a procedure for this, because you'll need to share that with somebody. And finally, what about the after-sale procedures? What about the cross-sell opportunities? I know you've heard about cross-selling and all the great Things that come from it, how you'll have greater retention when you sell more policies to a single household or to a single business. It makes sense. Even if you're not experiencing this concept, I will say that it makes sense. Doesn't it simply make sense that if someone purchased nine policies from you, they're less likely to leave you because it's so difficult to go shop all those nine policies again? Does that mean they'll never leave you? No, I've had clients with many policies leave, and they didn't even say why. They just said I had to for some random reason that didn't really come across as clear to me. But remember, the after-sale procedures, you need those too. You don't just get a quote, maybe type in a credit card, or do something for your agency billing, and then click a few buttons and call it a day, do you? You have these opportunities to cross-sell people another policy. Commercial agents have the opportunity to have somebody cross-sell them personal lines. But there are so many commercial lines these days. You've got general liability, professional liability, workers' comp, data breach and cyber liability, kidnap and ransom insurance. You've got international travel products. You've got all kinds of things you can cross-sell on the commercial level. And on the personal level, obviously, you've got home, auto, watercraft, personal umbrella, you know, off-road vehicles, motorcycles, RVs. You've got so many opportunities So why not have a plan for after you make a sale where you can have a checklist and say this is what I'm going to do in say eight days and then again once again in three months or six months or nine months. With a little bit of automation you can set some of this stuff up and make it a lot easier on yourself. So I will say that if you've never done any of this and you've never created these types of forms, I understand. You probably wear a lot of hats if you work in a small agency. You might be the salesperson, the accountant, the human resources person, customer service. You might have 20 or 30 titles. You might be employee of the month every month. Congratulations. Why not print a plaque? So what I did is I took my forms that I made. I've made things I call easy sheets. They are a system I created where... It gives you the key factors you'll need to ask a business to get a quote and a few key talking points that you want to highlight right away, possibly to distinguish yourself or also just to let them know that there are things they need to be on the lookout for when getting a quote. I also have them for personal lines as well. Uh, So I have the the new lead intake form. I have quite a few of those. And then I have uh, talking points forms, which give you things to discuss with a certain type of client. So, if you'd like to see them, please feel free to join at planetoftheagents.com. And on that note, I will wrap up this episode, which was part two of the standard operating procedures. In another episode, I'm going to go a little more in depth into some of the procedures I've done. We did today talk about the uh, new lead intake procedure and key questions you might want to ask. And as always, I just want to invite you to send me an email. If you have any questions or comments or ideas for the show, if you want to send me a funny limerick, go for it. If you'd like to be on the show, let me know why and what you'd like to talk about. I can be reached at dave, that's D-A-V-E, dave at planetoftheagents.com. It's very simple. All right, everybody. I hope you have a wonderful day, and we're going to be back again soon with another new episode I'm very excited to share some of the things I've been hearing about and hopefully to help you grow your business. So as always, keep growing, keep selling, and importantly, keep retaining those clients. Everybody, have a great day. Here's a quick reminder of our disclaimer, any views or opinions here are provided for purely informational purposes. Nothing is to be construed as advice of any kind. Any mention of insurance in no way implies that there is any form of coverage.